You're listening to another episode of The Zag, continuing our series, talking to NLC alums who also are lawyers or work in criminal justice. One of our faves, returning guests, returning champion from the 2014 NLC LA class, Jonathan Yang is here. always appreciate his insights and hot takes on everything related to current events and politics, and we'll definitely talk about those right now. Let's get to it. All right, Jonathan, when the push notification hit your phone, that Ruth Bader Ginsburg had passed away. What were your immediate thoughts? Uh, is this a is this an R rate? Is there swearing allowed on this? Sadly, there's not. So give okay. me the PG thirteen version. Well, that's but I think that conveys what what the, what the reaction <laughs> was. Um, how much you know? What 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 other remaining awful squares on the twenty twenty bingo card are left? Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same, you know, and 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 so, yeah. That's I don't think I I think a lot of people had that reaction. Yeah, but asking a few people this, you know, do lawyers in their personal networks or even sort of at a, a larger scale, do you all talk about what the Supreme Court should look like in terms of numbers or in terms of how it's selected? What is there any general consensus on where potentially this could this reform could go? Or is it just kind of like, it's going to be nine, it's going to be nine forever, it'll never change? Oh, well, that, I mean, that's a different question. I mean, there's definitely, so I don't think there's an industry-wide consensus. Um, certainly, you know, I, t- I immediately talked to my peers about what this means, and, and I think something like court packing or expanding the court, I should say, should not to use the FDR term, you know, I think has suddenly become a rea- – is, is something that many more lawyers are open to. I think there's a cons- small c conservative status quo bias to a lot of lawyers. You want regularity in the law, but I think especially progressive lawyers and even non-progressive lawyers are recognizing you can't – you can't have a – the court can't serve its impartial p- function uh, if you have yet another Trump appointee under these circumstances. And would you say it makes more sense to you just personally um, to add two more, to do something like Mayor Pete suggested, right, where you maybe get to 10 and then those 10 pick five more? Is it something where it's almost like a lottery system and you're just randomly switching it up with judges on the federal bench and all the circuits just periodically? Term limits, like what do you feel like would be the ideal Jonathan Yang solution to this? I haven't put nearly as much thought into it as Mayor Pete or any of the other mini thinkers who have been pushing for a rethinking of the court long before this immediate crisis, and it is legitimately, I think, a crisis. Um, so I don't, you know, I, 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 I think the, the other thing we'll see because this is going to be congressional action, just like with any other major federal action, is you know, at the end of the day, I want to see something get, I want to see something get done, and so. You know, I'm looking at the details. I think there's going to be the sausage making, sausage making of the legislative process. But mm-hmm. bottom line, bigger court first and foremost, and in terms of term limits or things like that, you know, I have, I, I think we'll see what the arguments are like. You know, one of the reasons I want to have lawyers on right now as well is I think lawyers are going to be the star of the show on election night. Sadly, uh, as soon as the polls start closing in all states, there's this army is. Of lawyers ready to go to do all sorts of either defense uh, of democracy well, things, already, or army is already up and up and running. Yeah, exactly right. And, I, and you'll, maybe we'll start learning their names, and there'll be instant celebrities. Who knows? But yeah, it's a mix of of defending democracy and probably trying to to limit democracy to only to only white people. So, what for non lawyers like me, and you are a lawyer, what should we be watching for once that process kicks into gear? How should we try to follow that process? Well, first of all, like any good lawyer, I'm going to challenge the premise of your question, which is I think non-lawyers <laughs> and folks should be paying attention way before election night. In fact, if you haven't already started paying attention to voter protection, voter suppression issues, you got to start paying attention now because, one, people are going to start voting. Some people are all in some states, key states, voting has already begun. 
certainly vote for it, whether it's by mail or you're going to very quickly in October start seeing uh, early voting opening in a lot of states. And so to the extent you're volunteering, donate, donating, engaging with that, you know, that is ha happening all now. And the other that's on the front end. And then on the back end, you know, we should I think I'm by no means the first to say this. We got to stop. We it's there's going to be election day, election night, but really it's going to be election week, if not longer. Um, and we have to normalize that to the extent possible because of all the different moving pieces this year. We cannot create the expectation. We have to try to, to to erode the expectation that we've had from prior years that what you hear on the first first you know on the in the first 24 hours or 48 hours is reflective of the ultimate results. Um, we got to try to to reduce the likelihood of Trump saying that something's you know something's something's gone gone wonky with the system if just because he doesn't like the results. Many things will go wonky with the system. Yeah. Come election, so that's that's so some, come election night, start watching for the beginning of a longer story. When we come back with Jonathan, we'll talk a little bit more about what he's working on with his law career. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Zach. We're right back. Yeah, you and I haven't caught up in a while. So what is the latest with the, the law career? You've been out of law school, what, two years now? Uh, not quite two years. Uh, okay. So graduated in May of 20, uh, 2019. So okay. about, a year, about a year and a half. Actually just finished my first year uh, or this past Wednesday at a uh, law firm of Melvin Myers, uh, <clears throat> working out of the downtown office, or at least assigned there. Uh, obviously, <laughs> we're all – I'm currently working out of the East Hollywood field office. Uh, we got a bunch of field offices over the last couple of months. Um, and yeah, so, you know, it's, it's, it is LA's oldest law firm and has a range of practices and has had a long historic tie to the growth and expansion of the city. Many of its, many of its star lawyers over the years have played a central role in LA, California national politics. And so there's that national, that, that sort of natural uh, resonance for me there. Uh, and then my day to day, you know, I'm a transactional lawyer. And so I work on a range of business deals, particularly with a public policy nexus, particularly infrastructure, water, public finance, that sort of thing. And then, you know, even just in my year at the firm, and it's in part because half of that time has been uh, under COVID, I've, I've been able and been pleased to be able to do a, a happy to be able to do, sad to have to do a wide range of pro mm -hmm. bono work, working with nonprofits and, and small businesses primarily. Uh, on a range of just governance matters, but also navigating the crisis in different ways, negotiating with landlords, you know, all sorts of just very unfortunate things where you see quite brutally the in imbalances in the law, even even before you get to a courtroom, that just the, 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 the lease agreements that you see or any of these documents, you know, are sort of vivid embodiments oftentimes of big disparities in economic and political power. And how do you get to a point where there is more frequent and maybe even mandatory legal representation options for folks in civil cases, um, civil litigation, these type of things you're mentioning where there's leases involved or where you're fighting a landlord or it's not something that's going to be in a criminal court, but it's still super vital to the uh, success and happiness in your life. Uh, how, how can we get to that point in California? Right. So this I mean, so We'll take that from two ways. One, this, the idea of civil Gideon, right to you know, your right to attorney. I mean, that's been a long-standing political fight. There are impact litigators, sort of the courtroom lawyers, which I am not, um, not with not by dislike, but just I, I have a different focus. Um, who have been pushing that fight for a long time, and I think you're seeing movement in the city of LA and in jurisdictions both across the state and across the country. Um, so in terms of how you get there, I think that is continual. 
that is just the continuation of those efforts and that power building. And that kind of leads to then attacking from the other angle, which is the courts will only ever do so much. Part of why I was drawn to transactional practice, and although I'm in private practice now working at a law firm, what drew me, to, you know, I did a what we call the, a, the community enterprise uh, project in law school, which is part of coming out of this long tradition of legal aid pro bono attorneys who are working on building power in the community through helping smart, helping with small businesses and nonprofits and helping communities not just win fights in court, but long before that, build up power using the power of the law to protect rights, to protect, uh, in this case, property for small business owners, for, for, for marginalized communities uh, as a way to, as, as in another toolkit, as another, sorry, piece of the toolkit. There will always be a need for the types of lawyers that you think of as your classic civil rights lawyers. You go into court, you make the argument with, you, know, you make the passionate argument, you make the brilliant argument, and, and certainly, you know, just thinking about Justice Ginsburg, she was a prime example of that. Uh, I think on the progressive side, especially, we've got to broaden our thinking, right? At the end of the day, once we've gotten something bad stopped in court or gotten that law opened up a little bit, you know, then what's then what are, what is the actual progressive future that we're building? And that's a different type of lawyering. That's more deal making, structuring these, thinking about how you allocate these risks. How do you get all these folks around the table to agree to something, to invest in something in the long term? Um, certainly more concretely with my practice, if you think about something like at the high level with the Green New Deal and how we're going to, you know, make up for lost time and try to make the kinds of investments in clean infrastructure that we need, you know, there's a lot of creative lowering that we're going to need there. And then at the local level, rethinking, and you, you, you know, th these ideas have been around a, a while, but they're getting sort of new resonance, rethinking how we own property at the local level in terms of community land trusts, and then obviously the whole thicket of na navigating and advocating for zoning changes. So there's a lot of lawyering that's outside the courtroom that ultimately is about building power in marginalized communities. Listen, thanks so much for doing the work that you're doing. It's always good to catch up with you. And thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode of The Zag. Make sure to catch all the ones that have dropped recently. A lot of amazing lawyers and folks working on criminal justice issues like Jonathan from across the country. We've talked to alums in Milwaukee, Tampa, Atlanta, all over the place. So hear their perspectives, hear their stories. You don't want to miss it. Apple, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, they're all there. Check them out. Until next time, we'll catch you soon.